0: who is he? That's the question at the heart of the gospel. Who is Jesus? Like who is he really? Is he just some miracle man? A guy with nice stories and a healing touch? Or is there more? Much, much more. Hi, welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. My name's Stuart, and I get to be the minister here. It's my pleasure to welcome you wherever you are, wherever you find yourself this morning. Today, as always, the food bank is open between 1 and 2 pm. All your donations would be most welcome. Today, I'm joined by Nate and Mara in worship. Mara will read for us, and Nate will lead us in prayer.
1: Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him.
0: Mark's gospel isn't like the others. There's no Christmas story, no poetic introduction to Jesus. It's just a sentence. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And to be honest, the last bit was probably added much later because people wanted to make it clear who Jesus was from the beginning, and that's a shame. It's kind of like writing a crime novel and telling you who did it in the first line, especially given the way that the rest of the story unfolds. The first act of Jesus' ministry in Mark's Gospel was an exorcism. That should give us a huge clue as to what this story is about and the context that it's set in. Mark's Gospel isn't a biography of Jesus. It's not a collection of nice stories or even a catalogue of healings. Mark's Gospel is an epic battle between good and evil, between two kingdoms, the kingdom of earth and the kingdom of heaven. And it's not really until we get to this story, this strange and mysterious encounter with the raging storm, that the question of Jesus' identity is brought up. Jesus and his followers are in boats, on their way to the other side. The Sea of Galilee isn't a sea, it's a lake. And yes, it's a lake that's prone to storms because the wind whips up through the valley. But what Mark does moves us away beyond the lake that people live around. And by calling it the sea, Mark makes the whole story bigger. This is a story that's way more like Lord of the Rings than the other Gospels. Mark gives the powers of darkness form and character. Like the man possessed by the demon, the storm is a brilliant example of that. It's a characterisation of the raging chaos and violence of the powers of death that threaten to overwhelm life. And there, in the boat, as the storm rips across the sea, Jesus is asleep, lying on a pillow at the back of the boat. It's all mystery and metaphor. These boats are not big. They're small fishing boats. It's the kind of storm where the water would be crashing across them and everything would be wet. There's no chance anybody would be asleep. So this is more than a story about a blustery day. The disciples, some of whom fish these waters, are afraid. Actually, they're terrified. And that's another clue to the supernatural nature of this storm. This isn't just rough water and a bit of wind. It's an assault. The first real battle of the war. And Jesus is entirely unconcerned. This is an easy story to almost speak platitudes about. We all face storms in life and that's true, we do. This story of Jesus taking charge and stilling the waters is comforting when we feel overwhelmed. It brings hope when we feel that we're thinking. But if we reduce this conflict to only that, to some kind of spiritual security blanket, we miss the bigger picture. And for Mark, all that matters is the biggest of pictures. Mark's gospel is played out on a cosmic scale. It's full-on apocalyptic showdown. I've said before that one of the things we should all do from time to time is read the whole of one of the Gospels in one go. We so often deal with bits of them, short stories read with no real sense of what comes before or after. It helps so much to see the whole thing, where this fits. Jesus is on the way to the far shore, the other side, leaving behind the known, the familiar, the place where he and his followers are from, where they belong, where they're insiders. The other side is Gentile country, where the outsiders live, and where the first person he will meet is a man who names himself as Legion, a man driven mad, possessed by evil spirits living among the rocks and the tombs, a man stuck in the place where life and death meet. Jesus is on a mission to defeat death in all its forms. But death isn't just going to let that happen without a fight. Jesus has already confronted some of the powers of the world when the religious experts try to tell him that he's evil and when his family try to pull him back into the dominant family-based social system. These are just the opening skirmishes, the first contact. To understand the encounter with the storm, we need to re-enchant the story. The storm is the biggest of monsters, a collection of all our fears, helplessness against its power. I've been overwhelmed by something so much bigger than us, of not having the resources to survive or the strength to fight back. And Jesus is asleep. Perhaps that's our biggest fear. That Jesus just really doesn't care that we're on our own, that we've been abandoned, even though we know he's right there. That's when the storm's at its worst, isn't it? When we feel like that, small, alone, frightened, powerless, abandoned. We need to give the storm back all its power and metaphor and mystery because if we don't, we'll never find out the answer to the question the disciples are left with as Jesus stands and tells death itself to settle down. But he uses the same word as he did to cast out the demons. Who is he? Like, who is he? Who is he that the storm obeys him? He's the son of God. It's here that the story unfolds. It's that point where the is revealed their secret identity is cast aside. Along with the disciples we begin to realise just who Jesus is and in that realisation we start to get a sense of what's going on. Who is he? They had no idea. A teacher, a holy man, just a rabbi that had chosen them to be his disciples. But here in the middle of the storm, the likes of which they had never seen They're given a ringside seat to the revelation of Jesus' true identity. And as always, the same question remains for us. So what? What difference does it make that the Son of God is there in the boat in the storm? What does it matter that he had the power to defeat the storm with just a few words? This story is about the triumph of life. The storm is all those things that bring death in all its forms. The small daily knocks and struggles that wear us down and crush our spirit. The big things that knock us over and make us feel so overwhelmed. But as with all things in Mark, the storm is the powers, the system built on control and violence and economic enslavement. It's the disregard for the earth in pursuit of profit and convenience. It's the pitching of one group of people against another as though we're somehow different. It's the limiting of responsibility the restriction of health care for all, the acceptance of despair. And to all of that, Jesus speaks words of life. Death has no power here, not with him around. The disciples are awestruck, but that's not quite the right word because they still don't really get it. They don't really know the answer to their own question, not in the way that we do. The disciples are terrified, terrified now of something else. Who is this guy? Remember, just before this, they were all smiling at each other, full of pride that Jesus had told them that they were his new family. They were his brothers. They're not quite so sure now that they've come face to face with what they've gotten themselves into. I wonder, are you?
1: Almighty, loving God, in compassion you sent your son to shine his light into the darkness of our lives and of our world, to guide us toward a new life and a new perspective. This day, as we seek that light, we ask for your blessing on this troubled planet. In the midst of pain and disease, still suffering under the impacts of climate change, we pray for change. In the hearts and minds of each of us, that we might see again glory of your creation and our duty to protect it. This day, as we seek that light, we ask for your blessing on our community, this parish, this area, as it seeks to find a way forward into an uncertain future. We pray for change in the way we interact with each other, that we might see the good that is all around us. This day, as we seek that light, we ask for your blessing on your church, here in this place and all across the world. Online and in person, as we seek to do your work and love your people, we pray that new perspectives will be heard, that we will change and grow and maintain what is valuable. This day, as we seek that light, we ask for your blessing on each of us gathered today separated in space but united in worship of you as we look for the wisdom and boldness to listen to your beloved son we pray that your love will be known to each of us and help us to find the glory in our everyday lives and cheer it with a world so in need of your voice for all these things we pray in the words you taught us our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come Thy will be done as it is on heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us for evil. For thy is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
0: May God bless us. Our God, who called the world into being, who breathed life into us, who provides us with new strength, May God bless us, our God whose love does not know borders or walls, whose justice will come. Our God who casts down the mighty from the thrones and lifts up the lowly. May our God bless us, creator, redeemer and sustainer, now and forever. <music>